Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, Eric will explore the real truth behind Kundalini and dispel a lot of the garbage out there surrounding the topic. Be guided through a mini kundalini practice and feel the energy firsthand. Don't miss out on the video format of this episode. You can find it on YouTube. Enjoy. Hello everybody and welcome to another session of Rebel Guru Radio. Uh, I'm not sure if we can call it Rebel Guru Radio. We might have to come up with some other name. Rebel Guru YouTube, Rebel Guru Facebook, Rebel Guru Instagram. Don't know. Okay, but I have Mark here. Uh, he's behind the, the scenes here. He's going to ask some questions and also take some of your questions, and hopefully I can answer them for you. All right. Uh, so we'll start off with um, just a few questions from the last episode that was on healing and placebo. Okay. Um, so do you have any tips on how to build trust between the healer and the recipient? You know, I think... A lot of times that's a case-by-case case scenario. My my bottom line is, is this. You know, if you do a self-check on how you feel about that person working on you, if you visualize it, if you kind of think about it, if you're in tune enough to kind of feel in your chest uh, your reaction to that, you will feel either a downshift or an upshift. An upshift is you just feel fine about it. Downshift means that there's a reluctance or withdrawal feeling, like like there's a part of you that that is telling you that you're not comfortable with that person. But it is a very distinct feeling. Now, I'm not trying to tell you like you imagine this. You literally feel it. Some people might call it a gut feeling. So I think that that you are very sense-oriented to other people's energy. Like I said, 32 feet for each person, 64 feet between two people. Bottom line is your energy is constantly sampling and feeling other people's energy. No more than your eyes are looking taking an environment in or your ears are listening taking an environment in. All of this is data trying to give you an overall sense of your environment or whom or what you're dealing with. So your energy is doing the same thing and it knows just by thinking about that person whether you feel comfortable or not. To me, it's a no-brainer. And the problem is, is that a lot of people will ignore their feelings. They will ignore that sensory. And therefore, you know, I think you're going to have people who put up more of a defensive level towards that. Now, 
If you want some, I am the rebel guru after all, so I've got to say something controversial. Uh, and we all know that's what you guys love. Um, you know, if you wanted to really kind of, of push it in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, you know, if we look at the nervous system, reactive consciousness, yada, yada. I mean, you know, if you look at that person in a sense as being a lover or a person that has a kind of, I don't want to say intimate because God knows we don't want the wrong reaction during a healing, but, you know, from the recipient. Um, but the more your consciousness that you can create false kind of mental conditioning to kind of get your energy to be more trusting, more relaxing, okay? Here's a big hurdle is sexual. The next is just interpersonal. The next is, is touch. I would feel that... Um, if you said to the person before you start working on me, can you do some sessions where, where you're kind of putting your hand a lot on me and stuff like that? And then you've got to work with that. Like that's a touch from maybe a grandparent or a family, like a mother or something. Somebody that you know really genuinely likes you that you can start orientating your consciousness and your energy to kind of be more receptive to that person's presence. But the bottom line is, is if you still feel that angst in you, you should just say, you know, time out. This is not going to work out for me. I wouldn't worry about offending anybody. The, the bottom line is, is whether you're going to be accepting of that energy to let it work on you or not, because you could turn it into a negative for yourself. And that's something for the healer to be aware of as well. A, a good healer is going to do that. They're going to get you used to them being in your space. They're going to be very, you know, aware of you listening to their voice, very aware of the scent or smell of the environment. You know, all the conditions are to kind of get you relaxed. But the bottom line is you can relax all you want. Uh, you really need to psychologically, and we're going to uh, talk more about consciousness here with the, the Kundalini and such soon, but you've, you have to understand the most important thing is your state of consciousness, your emotional self. You can fake it, okay, to a certain degree, and it should be enough, but if you create a sense of connection between you and that other person, Okay, you're going to have much higher level of results than if you do not go through those steps. And that's just a person working on you. You're not being receptive cellularly to to your adjustments from that person, per se. Okay. Um, so next question uh, from about healing is, is is healing easier thinking about it as a mechanical system or an emotional biological one? Both. Uh, for me, at least, it's it's both. I see the the aspects of a biological machine. It has a life cycle. It has parts that wear out. It has billions and trillions of living organisms all kind of having their own agenda, uh, from bacteria to viruses to your cells to cola, whatever you want. But there's a, a vast amount of things going on. And I, you know, I could say that we know through science that your state of mind affects this, this level of ecosystem. So your emotional state or your energy state or your spiritual state, call it what you will, is having a direct effect on the machine. There are, you know, levels of reason. Now, you know, you also have to keep in mind that I think that there are a lot of things that simply are not easy to heal. And you have to, to ask yourself, in what level can I work on this problem 
versus solving it. So I, you know, there's there's a lot of health problems out there that you can improve, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to cure cure it, depending on what the situation is. And I think too many people have this pie in the sky idea that you know all healing can heal anything, and there's a level of truth to that, but. The, the opposite, you know, reality to that is, is there's a lot of things that are, are extremely difficult to heal and to work on. And people's expectations may need to be brought down a little bit lower. And I may be one of the first people, you know, addressing that. Again, going back to the first comment about you being receptive and not receptive, okay? As to what can be done, I mean, gosh, there's cases where entire tumors vanish and, and sight is returned. But these are extreme cases with extreme application or very good application. So I think people need to keep that in mind too. Okay. Um, that wraps up the healing <clears throat> segment. Um, so we can okay. go to the Kundalini and surrender questions. And I do go into great yeah. detail and uh, healing modules, many different things that keep going into it deeper and deeper. Yeah. So if you want to know more, you know, just call in and, and find out about it. Uh, by the way, I don't want to interrupt everybody, but please subscribe. Please hit like. It's really major. If you don't, we don't kind of get the traction. You know, YouTube kind of tends to market people that are getting traction. So the more you guys hit likes and the more you subscribe, I believe the broader audience we're going to reach. So I'd appreciate it if you can do that. Thank you. Um, and even that goes for Facebook or anything. Just figure out where the likes and subscribes are. Yeah. Um, and we love hearing new topics and questions too. For, yeah, for send future, in questions. Send in, episodes. you know, yeah. give, give me something to chat <laughs> yeah. about. Um, so, to start off with the Kundalini, uh, what's your like? Could you briefly describe like what Kundalini is to you? All right. Well, let's 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 stop. <laughs> Step back. Okay. I decided that I would Google Kundalini. Um, and methods on the internet uh, earlier today, probably. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see, you know, well, what, what's been said? What hasn't been said? How can I make this something different? Something that you're not finding just anywhere. You know, the, the missing links is what I like to offer during, you know, Rebel Guru or any teachings I, I have is to have very different approach and a very simple, clean, get to the point, cut to, to the meat of it. I was appalled, shocked, when I seen what I seen. It's burned into me. Um, you know, when, when I say kundalini, to me it's like something very sacred, very special, very unique. And when I, of course, like many things I, I, I will see on the internet, just makes me, you know want to vomit a little bit in my own mouth. Um, it just seems to me that Kundalini now has taken a yoga, new age uh, spin, you know, let's get them in, let's get them to do these Kundalini energy things. And they're doing all these and through your nose and doing, you know, all these different exercises of, and, you know, there's, there's people in leotard stretching and it's just become a, a, a almost fad cheapened, you know, what we used to say back in the day, you know, oh, it has made in China. It's cheap. You know, now I'm like, nah, but it's made in the USA, rebranded and remarketed. They've gummed up stuff and what they don't understand, they just kind of, you know, stick it together. And I, I just think it's junk. It's, it's just junk. 
and it's it's not it's it's all it's very hard to discern who's got some good information who not. I suspect a lot of these people they don't do anything real with Kundalini, and all of the breathing exercises that that I see them doing. The reason why they're having an effect it's called hyperventilation. Uh, look it up, and they're they're having these these what they call energy movements. But I really think that they're more. It's from hyperventilating, and hyperventilating can have you have hallucinogenic effects. It can make you ecstatically happy. It can give you little forms of seeing waves of energy. So, you know, I try to stress to people that you've you've got to know the difference between hyperventilating and calling it, oh, I can feel energy versus the real deal of feeling energy and working with that energy and not really being in a state that you're hyperventilated. So I think there's a, a two big things. And this is why when I when I look at YouTube and I look at other stuff on the internet, it's very hard for me to critique or to want to speak negatively because I feel that I'm just creating an argument with people and you know, you know, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And I certainly have my own opinion. So, you know, you gotta you gotta decide what who who you're gonna follow, where the results are. But it goes right back to what I've said before, whether it be telepathy, remote viewing, astral projection, psychic phenomena, all of these things, the reason why people do not have the kind of results that people have that are in HBI, or why all these people from all these other places and all these other schools who've come to HBI say, I never had experiences before until I found HBI. Mind-blowing, okay? And that's because I really feel that the majority of information on the the internet and in various places are just junk production. It's about getting getting your lights and your subscription and just come out with something again. Some of these people put out stuff every two times a week. It's like I, I think they're scouring to read up on something that they don't really fully understand and then they regurgitate it with the confidence as if they know what they're talking about. But when I'm hearing them, I'm going, you ain't got a clue. And you're telling all these people this is what they should be doing and these people are dedicating a year, three years, five years of their life trying to attain these things and when they fail, they think there's something wrong with them. They think they're broken and they're not. You're not. You're not broken. You just get really stupid shit information that's being marketed to you like like these people know what they're doing and and I'm I'm sorry it's just BS. Uh, you know maybe there are some out there that are legit, you know, I've certainly haven't seen everything out there. I think there's some good teachers out there, but in general, oh my god, I just think it's just a bunch of junk out there. And it it is what it is. And I guess I got to separate myself from from those people. You I don't know how, but you know, I guess if I can give you guys better results, you'll you'll be like, "Hey, Pepin knows what he's talking about." So where was I before I ran off on this crazy that's like, tangent? That's okay. uh, more caffeine. It was anyway. Yeah, the, I'm getting warmed up. The general question was, you know, uh, like be briefly explaining right. what Kundalini so, is. So, so look, to you, you can you, you know. listen. This is what I have to say. If you want to learn the essentials of Kundalini, just go on the internet and Google it. And for the most part, I think some of the information is pretty good, some not, but. I like to keep it simple, in a, especially because we only have a certain amount of time. We could break down all the Indian names and we could talk about teacher, master, you know, kind of energy, shakta, all of this stuff, okay? But it's irrelevant. What is relevant is what you can understand and relate to that's basically the same thing, but condensing it into a shorter amount of time where you can go, got it, okay? And hopefully I'm that guy. So look, Kundalini is energy in the body. 
okay? Energy in the body, what I mean by that is, look, it is a, a energy that is designed to raise your consciousness, your awareness. And it's always in you. And everybody has probably felt or experienced forms of Kundalini. You can get it as hot flashes. I mean, right now, just from me thinking about it, I usually break out into what I call cold sweat. And it's very different than when I do other classes. But when I do other classes, I, I know it's Kundalini moving in me. Because I'm so attuned to it that I, I literally feel it uh, happening. Like it invokes it just with the thought of of the idea of thinking about it because I'm like kind of moving in my body because I want to talk about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about where do I begin? So it has an effect on me biologically. Um, Kundalini is an energy that is basically located in your seventh chakra or basically the tailbone of the spine. This is arguable depending who you talk to, what you read, where you go. The bottom line is this. The real kind of point is to, this is kind of a rebel guru time. It's between your kind of your, your sexual organ and your extraction or your, your, your release section. So right between the two, between your butt and your, your groin, okay? There's, there's a space in between and right there in the middle, kind of straight up from there, okay, is the ideal location for you to reflect on or to move your consciousness on. And that's where kundalini in in my opinion resides um the reason why i think people talk about the the lower spine is you have to remember with chakras it's trying to map on a two-dimensional space where something is it doesn't mean it's literally on that spot but but that is the closest direction or most idyllic to to kind of work with now when i Look at the region of the organic body, okay? You have basically your, I guess your hips is what I would, would call it. And you have your, your rotors for your, your hip muscles and stuff. But in this area is, is kind of like a concaved structure, if you will, okay? And there's, there's a, a pathway leading from your spine and other parts of your body that create kind of a neural network. This is why if you get sciatica, those of us who have been old enough, it runs from basically your, your spine area actually down through one of your hips through this little tiny, tiny, like kind of hole that has these little tiny kind of muscles in there. And it shoots all the way down your leg. So I consider this wiring, like like wiring an android or wiring your system. This is why sometimes you got muscles that will will shake and vibrate, or why you have different neurological reactions at times. So this particular area with the the, the base of the spine in there, okay, and you have these two areas. This area in here, straight up from the base, okay, is kind of your conscious energy working area. I believe that you are taking biological energies, whether they be chemically produced or neurologically traveling in the body electrically, okay? And you seem to be jumping around just because you're talking kundalini. It seems like you're you're getting kind of like your, your twitch going. It doesn't it happens. You yeah. feel it just talking about it. Right. right. <laughs> so, but this is conscious and I'll get into it for a minute. If anybody's feeling like you're jumping around, it's usually that's the reason. So I think that when you stimulate kind of that area and it doesn't have somewhere necessarily to go like to a muscle or movement of your foot or, you know, making your, your, your legs firmer or tighter with the muscle, 
this this energy creates what I'll call a kind of electrical storm, a neurological dead zone, and it it's building. And because your consciousness is focused on it, it's building up. And the second your mind wanders, it collapses. Okay, so why the 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 spine? Why the 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 uh, tailbone, okay? I believe that that's where this energy is interrelating once it builds up to a certain point to neurologically move up through this, this neural system, through your body. And it's reactive in, in different ways because it's triggering or making different glands and different uh, aspects of your organic body overstimulated. It's almost like, like a shock of electricity overcharging something and then it gets really bright and then boop, it goes out, okay? It's, it's kind of like that, but you know, hopefully you don't boop and go out, okay? But the, the point is, is that is what's going on. It's you're creating through consciousness, through self-reflection, this bulk of, of dischargeable energy, and it moves up through the spine, hence giving you the snake process, okay? Or what is referred in that way with Kundalini. I also think that it is a form of ethereal, if you want to call it etheric kind of energy. It is an energy that is reactive to what I will call the psychic sensory to amplify that, that sensory ability. It also, when it's worked, blows out a lot of stuff. It, it, it literally, I think, revs up your brain. It makes your awareness much higher. It makes your visual sight seem a lot crisper and clearer, just like standard meditation. It can raise and increase your sense of taste, your sense of sound. Anything that's that's hot-wired and everything is in the body, electrically, it has different ways of amplifying that. And this is why when people say they have a, a kundalini kind of flush, not only do they talk about how it overheats their body, which seems to be a, a majority effect for, for people, certainly is for me, um, but it it tends to rev up certain things depending where it travels. And this is why people say their awareness shifts or their consciousness shifts or their sensory shifts. Um, and it can also amplify into psychic phenomena, sensing things, feeling things, knowing about things, having dreams. Uh, it can trigger any one of these regions in your mind and in, in, in kind of sometimes leave it in, in stuck and go more or less. So, and you know, this is what happens to certain people. They say they, they've done it and it had this effect or that effect and they don't know what to do with it. Um, you know, there are cases where it's gotten very extreme and people have had all their muscles cramp up in their back. Now, this is the, what I'll call the less than one percenters. It's extremely rare. It shouldn't stop you from working or trying on it. And, you know, I've, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, but having said that, you know, you can give certain, um, neurological muscles to, to react in a certain way also. So there you have it. So the idea is to create and manifest the Kundalini in the lower region of your body, um, through conscious thought. Uh, some people will refer to it as awareness. And I've often said that this knowledge is very much alive. It's a living thing. And I've said that for well, probably 30 something years. W what I mean is when 
you think of yourself, you think about the exterior of yourself usually. You think about how your arm feels touching something or your butt sits on a chair, whether or not your, your back is comfortable with whatever position you're, you're moving yourself in. We almost never reflect on the interior of our body. We think about our hearts, you know, pumping. We think about a pulse. We do think about our organs from time to time, but never really an in-depth awareness of our, our inner side. And if somebody were to say to me, what is the most simple way that, that I could tell you to start activating your Kundalini, okay, to get this energy kind of moving? One, think of it like a block of clay. It's very hard. It's very structured. And it basically hasn't been moved at all. So when you go to move it, it's hard. It's like a brick. But with with work and with, with energy put into it and effort, it softens up and it becomes pliable. So too is true this energy in that region of your body because you never really thought about it. It randomly reacts, but never through a conscious effort usually. So when you think about that area, and I just want you to go ahead and do that right now. If you think about like right between your, your kind of just below your hips, down in that region that I talked about, you want to think of it like a, like a, a space. Forget about what organs may be there or not. It's, it's, it's to energy. It's just an open area region that it seems to abide by. Like there's magnetic fields that kind of keep it in that region. Okay. And you just want to become aware of it. It's as simple as that. Just start thinking about the interior of that portion of your body. And what you're going to find is you're going to feel, well, in a way, nothing, but that nothing definitely is something. It's just we don't really have a, a good word for it in English, but it's a it's a feeling of calm. It's a feeling of almost uh, a slight disconnection. I don't want to say gravity-wise, but it definitely has like a, a fuzzy, warm, relaxed feeling, and it's very faint at first. Mark, would you would you agree with that when you try to, to become aware of that area? Fuzzy, faint feeling? Well, I don't know if fuzzy yeah, is the best like word. Su- like subtle, maybe? Or? Well, it's definitely subtle, but I'm trying to give it a better description of, of how to define it. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely... It it. it feels like a void, but it's it's like a calm void. It's very relaxed. Um, you'll have to find your own okay. words for it, but it's, it's actually an energy. It, that's just how it feels. Okay. And so what you want to do is you simply want to clear your mind. You want to empty your mind. And what you want to do is you just want to hold the thought of that space, um, in your body. And you just want to see it almost expanding. Like it's like, it's kind of like a, a softball moving towards a larger size, but don't rush it. Okay. This takes days, weeks, months to really, really get something that you want. Okay. And what you want to do is you kind of want to see the expansion and what, what you're going to do is you're going to see it moving so that the, the spatialness of where it is should start to extend to where it's coming up through the interior of your body up to your belly button. Okay. But inside, and you may want to still pull it up further. And what's going to eventually happen is, is it's going to more or less look for that neural channel that I'm talking about, that spine area. Once you've built up enough of this awareness, this consciousness, this thought in that region, it basically needs to discharge. It definitely needs to go through some neurological pathway. It's just its nature, okay? And the most ideal one is going to go through your spine and move through your body. So this is going to start maybe 
uh, you're going to have what, what happens often is Kundalini is often released in just our most basic um, meditation we teach because it's it's a very uh, well modeled meditation. It utilizes a lot of things that most people don't take in consideration. And so when you're doing a standard meditation, why in the beginning for most people do HBI uh, meditation, you start to shake or you start to feel like you're leaning and you open an eye and you're sitting straight and you're like, how is that even possible? Um, cause you're, you're sure of it. Uh, you will have vibrations where you're moving like this, or you will see flutters with your eyes shut. That looks like somebody's got a, a, a light flashing doom, 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 doom. And you open your eyes, there's nothing going on, but it did work well to break your concentration to ground yourself. Cause the minute you switch thinking about what was going on or allowing it to go on, you stop it. So you're going to probably go through those things and people who have been doing the, the HBI methods that we teach. Um, who have moved past those effects, like they've graduated on that. If you want to return to that, and I call that the great calibration, it's like a chiropractor adjusting you energetically, just think about what I'm talking about now and it will have that effect. Um, and that's the most basic, simple way of beginning to work with energy. Now, when people talk about various breathing methods there, there is a truth that goes back, you know, probably well into Vedic, and I've forgotten over 30 years more about all of that than I probably remember. But here, here's the point, is that the breathing exercises now, from what I've seen on YouTube, have just been just blown out of proportion ridiculous, okay? The, the breathing exercises are designed to help slow the mind. You're... you're thought process, your thinking, the speed of why you think is basically based on neurologically how you're reacting to something or whether you've got a lot on your mind. So your, your thinking process, whether it's going really fast, you'll notice that your breathing is matching it somehow. It's usually not really calm. It's really high. This is why your, your, your heart is pumping too. It's, it's all kind of interconnected. So the idea of using breathing exercises was to control the speed of your thought. We really don't have a way to do that for the for the typical person or a lot of things I teach but so by just focusing on your breathing just slowing it which is controlled breath how much you're taking in how slowly you can take it in how slowly you can learn to release it, it slows your mind it has a very powerful instant effect and the oxygen is good. It helps your awareness get sharper. It's feeding oxygen to your muscles and everything. But hyperventilating is some new age's idea of, oh, this is how it must work. And this is Kundalini and this is how it's done. You, you have to understand that that calm and slow clearing your mind is what is truly releasing real Kundalini, real energy that's manifesting as you think about that region of your body interior-wise. Just thinking about what I've talked to you um, has this gathering effect just by its thought alone, its awareness. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of questions coming in. <laughs> and you know, um, you can you can direct that energy, you can yeah. move that energy, but that all goes into energy movements. That goes into other stuff. And there's only so much I can I can talk and plug other stuff that I teach, which is pays the bills. But but at the end of the day, you're you're creating and manifesting this energy into our reality through your organic body. It's the bottom line, and that Kundalini's manifesting and working into your neurological system and outside of it. And this is where you get various energy movements and effects.
Um, probably don't spend too much time on this, but uh, someone wrote in <clears throat> saying their husband listens to binaural beats for Kundalini awakening. He felt energy flow through his body, began to shake endlessly for five minutes. Um, he says he now suffers from deja vu every single day. Um, mm. Is that something that happened during Kundalini well, awakening? Well, I'm not or a fan of binaural technology. You know, cats out of the. And I'm not going to go into all my reasons why and whatnot. And, you know, if there was legitimately good binaural technology, then I would probably put in a a plug for the Monroe Institute. I really can't get behind really anything else. And I, yeah. Anyway, the, 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 the bottom line is this, okay? He, at some point he relaxed his mind. And if he was working on Kundalini, that means his consciousness was residing in that region, okay? Trying to awaken it, trying to feel it, okay? And he was successful to some degree. Mm. I don't think I would credit the binaural technology, but depends. I don't know what he was listening to, what beat pattern and stuff. There's there's a whole thing behind all, you know, how I would look at that. But the the bottom line is this. Um, What happened is, is exactly what I was saying earlier, that energy built up, it shocked, it blew the system. Remember I said the phone gets really bright because you put in a power source too much for it, okay, not controlled. And it blows things out. And 10 to 1, it moved through some region in his brain that actually is affected now that kind of rationale of, of having the deja vu happen. And I wouldn't say rational. It's a neurological effect, and maybe it's psychic. Maybe it's just neurological. I'm, I, I don't know unless I met that person. Having said that, if they wanted to stop it from happening, um, of course, I haven't spoke to this person. There would be a million and one questions I have you know, to, to narrow down the best recommendation. But... The truth is, I would do exactly what I'm, I'm telling you guys to do now. Now, that person may be terrified of doing it again because they're, they're like, well, I did it and look what happened. And well, if I did it again, it could get worse. Mm, unlikely. Okay. But sure, I, I don't know until I met this person. But it's been my experience that you reset it. Just like you, you've got it to be where it's jacked up, you've got to hit it again in a sense, to make it reactive. 10 to 1, your neurological system is its pathway, meaning in that specific person, somehow is moving through that region. So if he goes back to doing a kundalini-based exercise with, an, you should you should really, you know, I'm not trying to plug my stuff yet, but I might as well now. If you understood energy movements, you would find them incredibly helpful to get into that part of your, your brain, more or less, and have it just reset it. And then I, I think it would just stop. You you would not have the deja vus where they're repetitive. You may even be able to trigger them at will once you understand how that all works. But yeah. Okay. But ten to one, yeah, he 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 hit something and it's it's just stuck in, in that position now. If he just concentrates, reutilizes uh, a method like what I'm saying, it very well has a good chance of resetting itself. Okay. Um, someone else wrote that. They have a, a rash located near their throat chakra. It appeared several months ago um, when he was getting serious with his meditations. He s- thinks it's a kundalini blockage from his heart. Gets super itchy um, when I reach the transition point of the foundation meditation. Is there any particular... Well, I just want to say, say the that. foundation meditation is powerful stuff. It's no <laughs> joke, okay? If you're going to do something, you're going to claim results for everything you teach. You, you, Sometimes it gets a little dicey, but, you know, people want results instead of new age, you know, bubble gum. That's up to you. Um, look, uh, one is 
for a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people when they have psychological embarrassment or they're um, perhaps attracted to somebody or whatnot, you tend to get a flush in your, your, your kind of throat area and chest upper area. And not everybody, but a lot of people, it's like a color flush. It's like you're blushing, you get it in your face, but oftentimes it's right through here. So this, this tells us that neurologically, that our, our conscious reactive of how we communicate through our body visually, uh, maybe to show a suitor that you know a female may or may not be interested or not, or whatever the the, the subtle uh, psychological cues biologically are, it it means that we are wired with our, our body in that area. So if you are getting a rash in that area, 10 to 1, you're allowing your emotions to overwhelm you, and that's where it's channeling. Either you're working on the chakra, char, heart chakra, which is what I think he said, right? Uh, throat chakra. Throat it chakra. It's in his throat chakra. Well, see, I don't recommend doing throat chakras. I didn't catch that. I don't recommend doing throat mm. chakras. What the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> uh, for, for this reason. Well, he said a rash, right. a rash built up near his throat chakra while okay. he's doing the meditations. Okay, um, I don't know without speaking to that person to right. directly, but if I have a hunch, and I've seen this before, you're meditating at that particular point, you're just finishing up with your heart chakra. And the heart chakra, 10 to 1, you're getting very compassionate, very loving, very emotional in a sense, joy, call it whatever you want. And it's triggering that emotional center, and it's just doing it intensely. I mean, it's real energy you're working with. My suggestion is to probably try to lower the heart chakra down. I, I often say that most people that are white cells, navigators, call us whatever you want, people are really into what I teach, that they either tend to gravitate towards the heart very easily, and that's where they, they get really effective, or they do really, really well with their mind chakra. It's usually one of the two, because I teach the to go for the lower chakra just below your belly button, then your heart chakra, and then your mind chakra. And there's a reason for all that. There's a science behind it. It's get the fastest results and, and the best results. So I I think probably you're, you're getting really dialed into your chest center. And what I would do is I would recommend maybe one meditation or two meditations a week on your heart chakra, but the rest of it and dominant, okay, on your lower chakra and your mind chakra. And 10 to 1, it's going to balance that out. And the other thing that you could consider doing is just shorter amount of times. If you're doing sets of, of like 9 minutes, 9 minutes, 9 minutes, or 7, 7, 7, you, you want to make that, that kind of distributed for the second set being on your heart to be maybe just down to a minute only. And then divide that excess time between the two other chakras or where you think it would be most effective. 10 to 1, that's going to get rid of that rash pretty fast. But without talking to that person, I can't say 100%. Okay. Um, someone's asking, can Kundalini be experienced by anyone or is it possible that someone can be really grounded, rooted, uh, that they wouldn't feel it like other individuals? Um, I think anybody, just like everything I teach, anything I can do, anybody else can do. That's the whole point of teaching it. Okay. There's not some big exclusive club. The only club is, is whether you've got the discipline and the interest and the correct knowledge to achieve what it is you, you are out to experience. Having said that, I think anybody can experience Kundalini who walk into it with an open mind. You got to understand that most everything paranormal, spiritual, call it whatever you want, is thought-based, consciousness. So 
your, your consciousness has a big effect on your biological self. We know that through science. But now if you're going to take it to the next level by using reflective techniques through meditation, deep meditations, and various forms of manipulating your nervous system of your body, which I teach, um, you have to have someone that, that can't say, oh, I'm going to try this, and it's like a, a system. Sit here, do that, lift your left leg up in the air, spin around three times, and voila, that recipe should work. It don't work that way. It, it works on awareness development in the sense that you start to feel these subtle energies in your body. And I think when, when people from the outside hear us talk about that, I think they either think we're crazy or that we're just in la-la land creating these these concepts of, of we feel warm and fuzzy because they're like, yeah, I, I feel like that too, warm and fuzzy. No, like we literally mean you feel a static tingling moving through your body that you're controlling. It's, it's, it's very real. So if that person is willing to, to reflect on the interior of the body or become more conscious of it and work with that subtle energy because it gets more and more and more intense the more you're aware of it. Just like playing a guitar, you get better and better. It gets louder and more rhythmic and clearer. Um, then yes, anybody could. I, I believe in, you know, Rebel Guru, let's do it again. As, as most of you guys know, I don't believe everybody has a soul. I think, I think that we all start off as neurological, biological creatures. And through consciousness, self-awareness, we not only become aware of ourselves physically and aware of ourselves in the environment and aware of time and, and distance and memory, but at some level of that evolutionary process, you also move into self-reflection, self-awareness. And the more you delve into that, the more you begin to understand these layers of causal energies and frequencies in your body and you become very attuned to them. And in so doing that, that is part of the the awakening cycle. Okay. Um, why, so why would um, why would someone like want to learn how to work with their kundalini? Well, I do think it's a little overrated. I think that because it sounds like you know kundalini, you know, it's like oh, that's the ultimate. I've got to get my kundalini rising. You know, um, I I think people who practice energy movements already already are working with a portion of kundalini. I think people who do the technique we teach to gather up prana and infuse it and move it through their body to kind of turn on the the psychic sensory portions of their brain and their hyper awareness and stuff because it's like a food. You need to to do that to awaken it. Already are, are working with kundalini. If you want to work with kundalini directly, okay, I think it's fine. But I, I don't think that it is a necessity. Um, I think that it's being over-promoted. It's made into this super special thing. And it, it's true that it has a has a profound effect. But the truth of it is, if you do too much with your kundalini, you're just going to burn yourself out. It's exhausting. Um, it can be calming. And anybody tells you, oh, it's like I do it every day. Okay. <laughs> I've... Yeah. Okay, so I don't I don't want to talk crap on people, but you know you guys have to be a little discerning. Is it real? Flip, yeah, it's real. Uh, can you get it to where it's so intense you feel like you you literally are going to burst into flame? Yes. Okay. Can you have really ultimate levels of awareness or consciousness? Yeah, because it's it's again it's spiking it with energy and it's making that glow. If it doesn't 
pop it, then you you cool off a little bit, but you, you're residing at this hum, I'll call it, okay? And it's moving through your factors of your five senses and even your six and sevens. You, they're just not as developed, but you'll feel it, okay? Um, but I also think that anybody who's practicing the HBI methods and stuff probably can take it leaps and bounds beyond even that. Um, the other day you were talking about... Um... I mean, I know it's an HBI kind of term, surrender, um, how Kundalini can tie in with surrender. So I don't know if you can go a little bit into well, that. Well, look, 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 look. Surrender is a technique that, that, that I teach that is probably unlike anything else. So I don't even like the words we use because, it, you know, people just right. think, oh, this must be this, and they conjure up a, a mental vision of what they think it is. Mm -hmm. Um... It is a process of removing layers of subconscious and conscious thought. You, once again, when you're working with your inner energy, when you're working with exterior energy, when you're working with your mind, when you're working with anything of these, these properties, your mind at the end, the more stable, the more controlled it is, the more relaxed it is, the more clear it is, the higher the reward, the higher the result, okay? So by using surrender, not so much for just dealing with your everyday issues, okay, or things that you just don't have control over 100%. By using surrender in the sense of just dumping all of the mental thought, all of the mental issues, all of the things that might be angsting you, kind of learning to take a time out, it allows you to really powerfully jumpstart tapping into Kundalini. Because most people will sit down and they start doing their their breathing exercises. And I'm not saying breathing exercises don't 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 work. You have to just use your breathing as as if you're pulling that energy up and blowing it out as it's going down. And you're it's like limbering it up like yoga, but that's the only closest thing to yoga I think Kundalini should yeah. Anyway, or at least Western Kundalini. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta be careful what I say. Um, so surrender is a process that very quickly clears your mind, and it helps it to become more laser-like focused, more more intent on the objective. And once you achieve something, you you really don't lose it. You tend to keep moving forward from there as long as you put it into practice. So by, by clearing your mind, working with the Kundalini, you're going to have a much faster result level. But again, the surrender is about... Let me try to explain something very critical. And this is something that I, I teach more privately, but, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll share. Um, you're thought process of how you would work with kundalini and what i see on the the internet is is largely wrong what i what i see out there the the, the thing is, is is there's a concept that's very hard to grasp but if you can grasp it if you can contemplate it for a while after i talk about it your your result level is significantly higher and i do mean by a lot when when we want to affect something we we reach out and we touch it, we grab it, we interact with everything in a very physical way. This is a a, a feeling in us. It is it, it's kind of a way that we accept our reality. Everything has a a kind of orientation and reaction to to everything we do, whether it be sound or sight or smell or whatever. When we 
look for this energy and we feel it, there, there's not a way to, to physically interact with it. There's not a visual way to, to see it with your eyeballs looking out. There's not a real way to hear it with your ears. So there is a, another sensory and you have to develop that sensory because it has its own energy hands to, to affect or move or feel and I don't want you to envision like they're energy hands like hands, but it's a way that you, you touch and work with stuff that's kind of of an energy inside of you. And understanding that concept, understanding that, that there is this, this other means of moving stuff and it's related to thought and consciousness, you, you want to kind of think of it like, like kind of like water moving and you're putting your hand against it and you can kind of feel it moving through your hand and you have an interaction with it, but it's also kind of just doing its own thing, but you're able to affect it to a certain degree. It's, it's kind of like that feeling. You, you're, you're kind of moving something that's incredibly foreign to, to most people. Um, but you, you have to find this relationship with it that's not control-based in the sense that you would deal with anything on a physical, organic level. You have to deal with it in a sense that's ethereal, that it's a different way that you're approaching and learning how to work with. This is why I say energy movements are the best way because you, you pull up and all of a sudden you feel this and then you kind of go down and you feel it go down and you move it to the left and you move it to the right and you literally feel it. You get goosebumps. You can see the, the hair moving up on your arm. It's like you're affecting your neurological system. And so I teach this. So it's kind of using that, but in that region very intensely and working it and, and, and kind of building it up. It, it always, I never watch, I don't know, it's it's the sensei cartoon ones where Powerball Z or something, you know, and, and they're like, it's like that. But you're doing it from inside to bring it out. And I think that's what they're, what they're trying to mimic in the cartoons, but okay. it's not quite there. But <laughs> yeah, so you get the point. Okay, interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, kind of jumping around here. Uh, how often do you recommend someone focusing on Kundalini? And should it be done in conjunction with the meditation? I, I don't. I, I think that you shouldn't worry or work on Kundalini except for maybe twice a month. Okay. And the, the, the reason is, is hear me out on this. In, 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 in thinking like humans in the physical world we figure the more we work on something the more it adheres to what we want if we go to the gym every day our results are faster okay uh that's how we think and you've you've got to change how you think about it because it's all conscious based so i just told you you can't control it with your mind the second you try to control or relate to it like we do everything else you lose this is what's crazy about it the second you kind of learn to understand it, okay, and you realize this is real, this is not an imagination thing, you you develop a different kind of relationship. So when you go at it every day or every other day, your natural habit in your brain is to start looking at it as a regimented system of practice. And that tends to, to solidify into a very physical organic or, or physical matter way of looking at it and that's why I think it's it's a fail <coughs> but you can do a lot of breathing exercises and see sparkles right. um, is Kundalini well actually let's do this one <coughs> I'm, this is a little weird but how, uh, how to stay in the state of Kundalini awakening oh. Kundalini awakening. Want, well, listen, everybody has to. a different opinion of it. But, 
Kundalini awakening could be considered like enlightenment. Okay. As I've said before, your your brain is it's almost like running on high octane. It's like once you you've a t it's like a buzz and <coughs> I guess think of it like a car and you run it on nitro. Everything fires up better. It's more intense. It's whirr, but it, it has a, a level at some point it's going to burn out. Okay. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You're, you're making your brain fire up on a much higher level. So your thinking's faster. It's clearer. It's sharper. It's more intense. Everything is more intense. It's a great feeling. Okay. But wanting to stay there 24 seven is not advisable. What you what you do and what most people don't don't really get out of people talking about it is that <coughs> anytime you reach a peak, you don't necessarily want to stay there. You want to let it kind of cool off. It's only because you get exhausted. And it would be overwhelming for you to stay there all the time until you build up the endurance to stay there. So each time you go up high and you come down, you tend to settle a little bit higher than you originally started, and that becomes your new kind of flat level, your new foundation. Later on, you do it again, and then you come up another increment. And this is how you build very good, what I call foundation, okay? Without a good foundation, you're going to collapse everything you're working, it's gonna to lead to failure. If you build a very good foundation, you're gonna rock it your whole life. And that's what you're really after. You're really after reaching the highest state of consciousness that you can continuously maintain and hold. So with the thinking of, I'm going to work really, really hard, really, really fast and get there, you're going to just break yourself. If you want to get there faster, sometimes slower is faster and it's better. And there are other practices you should be incorporating if you are truly serious about wanting to achieve and to experience these things. But if you want the fast McDonald's version, well, go go on YouTube. There's there's a lot of that out there. Um, uh, someone's asking what, what would be the best use of Kundalini energy like in use with H, other HBI material? Well, well, anything across the board. Think about it like a fuel, okay? I talk about prana. It's basically prana. You're, you're just kind of... When I say prana, there's energy everywhere. When I say shut off the lights, look in the dark, if you look across the distance, you see between you and the distance what looks like a fuzz. That fuzz is prana. That's energy in the air, and it's everywhere. And I, I can go into a lot more detail about the positive and negative energies and all of that, but the, the bottom line is this. You're essentially drawing. That's what that, that energy that you're building up in your body that's drawing off of your neurological, probably, energy and your chemical energy uh, that creates energy, but you're also combining it with what I believe is prana, and that prana is building in you. And so I call it a fuel. And in order to do anything psychically or to heal someone or to have a vision or to to attain extrasensory perception to some level or a higher awareness, okay, you need to understand that everything needs a fuel. It needs an exchange of energy. And if you don't have the right fuel, it doesn't start the engine. It doesn't start those parts of your, your mind. It needs certain things. So when you drawing this energy through the technique I choose through neurological points in your body by thinking about it, it, it forms what I'll call, let's, let's just call it, uh, 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 oil is, is essentially a fossil fuel. Okay. And that then gets taken and processed and becomes 
Vaseline, it becomes kerosene, it becomes diesel, it becomes leaded gas, it becomes unleaded gas. And all of these things can only be specifically used in most cases for certain things that it's made for, but not for everything. Not one is good for everything in most cases. So it's the same way. You're bringing in that energy and instead of using it for any one specific thing, you're, you're kind of creating royal jelly. Um, where do I get these things in my head? Royal jelly, if you understand anything about bees and pollen and energy, you know, through, through, um, there's like this, this stuff you can, you can eat that's supposed to give you a lot of energy, but the royal jelly is made also from, from flowers and stuff and through the, the bees. And it's only exclusive for basically the queen. And it's supposed to be the, the richest, the best, the highest nutritious level that you can get. And so that's what you're kind of doing with the kundalini. You're creating this, this really rich quality form of energy that can virtually be used for almost anything. The problem is, is that without practicing other methods or understanding how they work through doing mudra energy movements or, or tone work or frequencies or moving with energy or understanding how, how these things work mentally and psychically, not this rubbish that's out there. Um, you need to create that relationship to have the consciousness to control that kundalini or like for most people they create it it's just like oh i feel really intense and oh i feel really hot and oh i have hyper awareness and it stops there if you understand how to direct all of these things and then you go to your twice a month exercise of kundalini and you're gonna, your body will use that energy in your spiritual practices. Yeah, you're gonna see a, a, a big leap forward, absolutely. But you would utilize that same energy for moving. You would utilize that same energy for making your mind push through reality or time or space or visions or, or various things. Wow, okay. Does that um, make sense for yeah, you? Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, see if there's anything else to run. Others. Um, Two questions on surrender that we have. Um, it's a little bit different direction. So, can can microdosing psychedelics help in the process of surrender, like or or ecstasy or something like that? Well, look, you know, I've I've certainly have done my share of hallucinogenics. Okay, yes, I have. Um, you know, so I, I like to talk about things from a position of of experience, and I I think that microdosing seems to be the the kind of new thing you know back in my day it was like hey let's do some peyote or let's do some mescaline or let's do some lsd bladder you know tabs um i think that it's a <laughs> i'm gonna start getting on the uh the bandwagon with the uh the millennials it's a it's a very safe way of doing hallucinogenics um I think that uh, it can have a positive effect as much as I, I like to not encourage that. Um, I think that it can, of course, have an effect on your awareness, your consciousness. And, and yeah, I, I think all of those things are certainly a strong possibility. But, but here's the problem. Most people who do microdosing float through life experiencing the same things they do normally. And then at some point, it becomes mundane. If you're not challenging your consciousness through through a, a process like what we teach and stuff to maybe add that to microdosing or doing whatever you're doing, then you're really limiting your vision of what your expectations are. <clears throat> Let's see. So, yeah, you're limiting how, how far you can go consciously. Yeah. Kind of thing. Okay. Um, 
think that's uh, that we're got like three minutes here, so oh let's let's sell stuff to you guys at great phenomenal deals. It's kind of like a, a like and not like. Look, uh, I'll just read what they've given me here. Dojo Action Plan Bundle is twenty nine dollars. Uh, value uh, normally is one hundred and twenty nine. Action plans include energy movements, originally $29, so it's included in there just in itself. Includes over an hour of audio and video instruction with me, yours truly, but most cases. Mm-hmm. Includes guided sessions, includes step-by-step guides to help you understand and master your connection with energy, and includes over six energy movement techniques that you feel, not this rubbish shit that's out there. If you do it and you don't feel it and you did it exactly what I said, I'll give you back your money. Okay. Uh, spiritual flow originally was a hundred dollars. Includes nearly three hours of audio and video instruction. Includes six sense mastery technique with a written step-by-step guide to help you build your intuitive senses. Includes renowned bonus techniques, water of life, which is good stuff. Trust me. Uh, includes printable infographic and study guides. Ooh. Uh, the link in comments is under rebelgururadio.com forward slash energy mastery. rebelgururadio.com forward slash energy mastery. Uh, or you can just call in 1-800-935-4007 and you won't get a machine. You'll actually get real people who practice what we are talking about every day because everybody who works here is into HBI stuff. Uh, so... Dojo, for those of you guys who don't know, is, you know, for the longest time, look, we, we know we're expensive, but, you know, I like to say you get what you pay for, and then other people say, well, your spiritual teacher should be free, and yada, yada. Look, I'm a teacher, but I'm more like a Yale or Harvard's, you know, this is how I approach stuff very methodically, and this is how it works. It takes money to do what we're doing now. It takes money to have Mark sit here because he's got a car payment. It takes money to do all this paperwork and marketing and figuring out how to do all this, let alone equipment. So if you got a problem with it, go somewhere else. I don't know what else to tell you, but you get what you pay for. So the bottom line is, is Dojo was our answer to people saying we had high prices. We literally took what would be tens of thousands of dollars worth of material and developed into a process where it's kind of like all-you-can-eat buffet. It's amazing. And you go into the program for a flat fee, and you can basically eat as much as you can absorb, okay? And we're constantly expanding it. We're constantly adding more. So you can kind of just find stuff you're really fascinated about and interested in and really inform yourself very quickly. That's if you like the sound of my voice. And I think there's video and audio and, and different training stuff in there. But it is, in my opinion, hands down, the best teachings and material on earth, Bold statement, I know, but see for yourself. So uh, I hope you guys check it out. We also um, have recently released the Handbook of the Navigator, which is now an Audible. I think you can get it on Amazon, and we had it professionally done. You can search on Amazon. You can search on Amazon. And um, you can check it out and give it to somebody else. And, you know, that would be the best thing. If you're really into HBI and you really think somebody would like this, encourage them to listen to it. Give it to them as a gift. Um, you know, you can also get the books and stuff like that. But the the high, hot new item, no, no potty words in there from me, okay? No, no, no uh, drunken sailor language. Uh, it's pretty clean, pretty good. Uh, it's a great person. I like his voice, and I hope he did a great job. And we appreciate any positive reviews, negative reviews. Well, if you really go. Uh, I don't. I don't think there should be, but um, you know, a reviews review, and I'll take it for good, bad, or indifferent. You know, honesty is the way to go. So uh, I think it's phenomenal. I hope you check it out. I hope you support uh, HBI, and definitely, definitely 
listen to me. Check out the the uh, uh, dojo. Um, I'm telling you, it will. It's it's this by far. You can just find everything you would like me to talk about. I I can pretty much guarantee you, it's in there. So I hope you enjoy it. Take care. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box. 
a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 